welcome back to season five of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am in the comic book studios with my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? Over in the home studio is our co-host, Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. And today we have a lot of fun stuff to do as the only show that does it all for geek culture. We have got to go all over the place. TV and gaming are going to collide as we do the real review for The Last of Us. Um, (laughs) Last week, I was somehow operating under self-delusion that this show was coming out. And I went through the whole week, did a whole show, went home, set up on Sunday and got all ready for a show that was nowhere to be found. And was just like, like messaging everybody like, what is happening? How did I do this? And how do so many people support my delusion? Uh, it was uh, a little scary, but uh, here we are. Now we're back in reality. So we are going to be doing a review of The Last of Us, our official review. And to help us do it is a person who did comicbook.com gaming's official review of The Last of Us, Mr. Logan Moneybags, a.k.a. Logan Moore. Is <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for bringing me on. It's good to be here. Hey, thank you, Logan. Uh, yeah, we just we threw your uh, Slack name out there. Just yeah, to, uh, it's so yeah. good though. You yeah, if you're gonna create it, we're we're gonna we're gonna throw it out there. This is uh, the <laughs> allcomicbook.com show. Everything everything is fodder. But uh, Logan got to see The Last of Us early. He got to see was that? I'm very jelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I've been hearing him and Brandon Davis have very whispered conversations about it. Like, in the, background. <laughs> <laughs> the burden of two people in the world who got to see this early. <laughs> uh, but he posted his review on comicbook.com gaming, as I said, but he's here to talk about it with us today now that he can. So, Logan, I know people have a ton of questions. You've played the games. You've seen the show. What should we expect from The Last of Us? I, I think the first thing is just, have you has anybody here played the games or have you not played the games? I assume, Matt, you've played the game, uh, I imagine. I, I was really, I had a real problem, like, and obsessed with the games. I played both right before, okay. right when 2 came out, I played both of them because I had gotten my PS4 with The Last of Us remastered and I would just like, oh, whatever. I started and never got into it. Then when 2 okay. came out, people were freaking out. I was like, let me try this again. And then I <laughs> deep. Have you, have, have you played either of them, Janelle? I, I have uh, okay. watched tons of playthroughs, but I've never played. And I okay. intend to do that on stream very soon to celebrate the release of the show. So okay. I'm actually pumped about that. <laughs> it's one of those, like, the more I sit with the show, like, after I, I, I watched it, uh, most of it probably like three or four weeks ago. So I've been I've been thinking about it and mulling it over a lot. And I, I feel like I'm starting to become one of those people who you read a, a, a book becomes a movie and then you go see the movie. And it's like, well, the book's better. You should read the book instead. I feel like, <laughs> Oh no, I feel like that's kind of where I'm landing on it. Like the show is very good. Like I, I, for by all accounts, the performances are great. The quality is great. Like it's going to be a huge hit. HBO poured a ton of money into this and it's really impressive what they've done. But after having watched all of it, I can't help but be like, well, there's a better version of this out there. If you want to go experience that. And that's, kind of where I'm at. I think a lot of and we can get into more specifics here um, in our conversation, but there's just some things that the TV format um, it's condensed a lot more compared to the game. There's less room to breathe in certain instances and I think uh, the game does it a lot better in terms of storytelling because you get a little bit more time with some of these characters throughout the course of the game and in the show they 
slight spoilers this is a very dangerous world like the walking <laughs> dead so people show up and die kind of quickly and right. uh in the tv format especially over the course of nine episodes it's you're getting used to these characters being around and then they're gone very quickly and then compared to the game you get much more time to breathe with them and i, I think it works a lot better in that in that way the reason why I didn't play the game is because I didn't know what the gameplay was like for, you know, people who don't usually play this style of game, like myself, like I'm a retro, I'm like group gaming, like party games. I do like, I love like the speed run stuff. I mean, I like, what I like to watch and yeah. um, I don't play like shooters of any kind. So that is what held me back from actually playing it. Would you say this is like a game that anybody can just kind of fire up? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's definitely action oriented and there's shooting sequences and there's a lot, there's a, a, quite a bit of combat, but I feel like it's pretty accessible. Like it's not a doom or anything like that where yeah. it's just full combat <laughs> nonstop and that's all there is to Fortnite. it. <laughs> there, there's lulls in it um, and, and, and a lot of great um, narrative moments between the characters. And that's why everybody loves the game so much. And that's why everybody's thrilled to see it become this series is less about the combat and things like that in the game, but more so like the the dialogue that takes place in between the combat and stuff uh, throughout the game. And in, in that sense, what they've done in the show is really impressive because they've had, to, I mean, the script of the game, I have to imagine is so vast that they found a way to condense that and put it into the TV show. And I, I'm fascinated by like what they picked and choose from the game to incorporate in into the show like what are the vital elements that we feel like we need to include and then what are the new things we want to put in the show too so i i i feel like at face value people would probably think it's a it's a very easy adaptation to do especially because this is one of my biggest problems with it is actually it's so close to the game in some senses that it almost becomes uh a little boring like and it's a weird i was gonna ask about that because like, like, predictable i need a little surprise yeah like, shows and there are definitely changes and there are definitely episodes. Um, everybody's talking about episode three is the first episode that really goes in a completely different direction compared to the games, but it's almost self-isolated and there's nothing really throughout the rest of the series that kind of ties back in with that episode. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's weird. We're in a weird place with video game adaptations because I think for the last 20 or 30 years, movies and TV shows that have come out that have been tied to games have been every they've they've tried to do their own things and people haven't liked them and everybody's been saying well you know just make it just retell the story of of the game that's what we want that's what we want to see and now they finally have done that and after i've watched this i felt kind of like this isn't as exciting as i thought it would be and and maybe that's again i I think this is going to be a show that resonates a lot with people who haven't played the game before because that was going to be yeah that's my one big question in all this because We've heard gamers like sound off, I mean, almost exclusively about this leading up to the release because mm -hmm. those are the only people who really know right. beyond anybody who has an HBO account and just looks at what what is HBO doing this year and those sizzle reel previews. Yeah. My question has been in trying to prepare myself for this, which is always difficult, is okay, I have such this deep connection to the games, but that's me. Like, what is the HBO is not going for the people who play the games? Right. They, they, you guys are the, the people, all of us who love the games. We're already sold. We're already going to show up, yeah. even if it's in a morbid, negative way. It's taking this and making it appeal to the masses who have never heard of this series, played the game and all that. 
And if you can, I mean, it's hard. It's cruel to take you from the comic book gaming team and team and make you do this. But do you think the show will appeal like on that event TV must see House of the Dragon Game of Thrones kind of thing that HBO is going for? Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I think the strongest point of The Last of Us is just its story. And it, um, even though there are slight tweaks here and there and they have to condense certain things down, the story of the game is still in full in this series. And I think it's still incredibly effective. And I think it's really going to resonate. It's resonated with, I mean, this is one of the most popular games of the past decade or so. And that's primarily because of the story. Um, so, and I think that narrative is still going to resonate greatly with those who are coming in and trying to, what is this show? I'll, this is by the guy who made Chernobyl. Okay, I like that. I'll watch this. I, and I think casual audiences are really going to dig this a lot. Um, talking about, going back to what I said, though, about people who are already familiar with it, though, it is very, it, it's so similar that it's not compelling in some ways. And that doesn't mean it's not good, but when I was watching it, I could literally, I literally knew what the next character's line was going to be because they weren't deviating from the scripts of the game in some ways. And yeah. so when I can almost word for word say what's going to happen next in a scene, it's not that gripping. Um, and yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird thing where it, that doesn't mean it's bad, but it just doesn't resonate with me in the same way that I think it might um, for other people. I'm, I'm really interested to see what people's responses are going to be after all nine episodes have aired because i think the show in particular as well starts off very strong uh the first four to five episodes are probably the best in this series and then the final about four really narrow into like like beat for beat what the game is essentially and almost shot by shot frame for frame what happens in the game and i'm curious to see how sticking that close to the source material ends up shaking out with established fans i guess in the long no, run. i'm curious because you said and again we're trying to do this without spoilers obviously but you you said that it actually encompasses like this show encompasses the entirety of the game so is mm -hmm. literally the because i i wasn't sure i didn't know if they would actually just adapt the whole first game or if they would it stretch it out yeah. and kind of cut because there's a lot of points in there where they can yeah. decompress is this seasons. literally the whole nine episode arc is the first game yeah it's it's the entire game and the accompanying uh dlc uh the oh, left behind okay. dlc yeah, so they incorporate that story into it too it's it's everything from the first game so if they do season two it is going to be the last of us part two i'm not gonna lie i was kind of hoping yeah. they would remake it like uh fan of final no, fantasy I, remake yeah I, I knew they would probably do the first game in the first season just to have a solid bed of a content block right there i think it's when you get into the second game is where you begin to stretch out like multiple seasons and there's also lots you can do between the it's games true. to yeah. kind yeah. of fill in gaps and because the second game opens up with like a whole game of thrones right. you know human connection drama of its own that you can and it will know, be interesting to see up. how they go from there if they mine the middle because that is not scripted yeah. already like that is actually yeah. completely new material i'm sure they like anybody naughty dog has a bible yeah for yeah. things we thought all this through i'm sure they're working from something but still it's not verbatim in a thing where they yeah. can just literally adapt it i will that will be interesting and that kind of makes me think about what logan is saying is i like when shows hew close to the material, but also take chances, even if you know 50% of them work or won't go over as well with other people. I like when it takes chances because I don't like just 
seeing exactly everything that I already saw. Unless like you kill Glenn, and which they shouldn't have done. But that's <laughs> <laughs> but like, but right, that one didn't work. But then there were some other things that I really liked and like that the show did, you know? So like, I'm all for taking a risk. I just, when you're a little too close, I, I can see where that, I, I might have the same reaction. Cause I'll be like, okay, I've, I've seen this, you know, I've, I've, I know where this goes. And even if I got to just spend a more time with certain characters, I think that would have been okay. I think I maybe would have been able to overlook that. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm really excited to see it. And I agree with Kofi. I think this is more for the people they're bringing in a, a whole new segment of fans to yeah. this. And this is going to be appointment television. And that's awesome. I'm very excited for that. And then they can, you know, remake the game again for the eighth and, time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly why they did that last year, because they're yeah, expecting yeah. a new influx of people to come in and watch this and be like, wow, now I want to play the game. Oh, cool. The there's PS a new PS5 version of it right here. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, right. <laughs> come a long way from the original PS3 version. Well, sounds like you guys will at least get to like write every week about here's how this is different from the games or here's how it's exactly the same. 10 yes. things about this episode of The Last of Us that's different from the games and 15 things that are the same. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Hey, man. Hey, all right. Keep that content churning, man. So uh, you can check out Logan's review on comicbook.com gaming. It is live right now. We have a video review live. So all of that is there. So anybody who's been wondering about The Last of Us, please do go and check it out and uh, throw a bookmark in there because comicbook.com gaming will be on top of this. Yep. You know. For the next <laughs> foreseeable future. Good luck. For the next couple months, yeah. Yeah, for the next couple months. I didn't want to make it as painful as it was going to be. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Logan. And Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, enjoy buddy. the rest of your day and rest your fingers because, yeah, you'll be typing. <laughs> Appreciate it. Take it easy, guys. You too. That is our review of The Last of Us, which premieres on HBO this week for sure on Sunday. <laughs> so when I go back this week and I sit down, it's going to be there. We All got right. it. Yeah, we got it. Okay. Uh, Took us two tries, but we got it. Um, before we came in here, we had some breaking news uh, from the DC <laughs> side. And to make sure we hit all our quadrants as the only show to cover all things game That's culture. Um, yeah, James Gunn responded to a tweet saying, ain't no Superman casting going down right now. Uh, yeah, that's it. So <laughs> if you've heard any rumors out there that Superman, they've found Superman for Gunn's new film. He says in a tweet, you know, he doesn't think about casting till after he has the vision written down and the film kind of mapped out in his head. He hasn't even really started on that. So he ain't writing nothing. He ain't casting nothing. There is no Superman. So we can debunk that rumor. So I there's know a little stop over at DC. This won't last probably throughout like the entirety of James Gunn's time at DC, right? This kind of just complete open bookness on social media. However, mm -hmm. wonderful right now. <laughs> I truly enjoy the right now. DC of all things needs that movie division anyway, and TV needs transparency. And there's just so much chaos. It is nice to have. He even again, even if stuff is played for, okay, we're controlling this for now. Yes, things are in the worst, but we're not ready to talk about them yet. And what have we consistently been angry at DC about? Oh my God, stop announcing things before they're done, whatever. I'm good with that. A little control is needed. So I'm very happy about this kind of thing. I'm, I'm excited. It won't last forever. I know because he'll be busy. And he's got yep, stuff to do. But this is cool. Yeah. I like Once it. the money starts hitting the table, yeah, then you got to play the game differently. I like, but, it, uh, I like it. But at the moment, there is no Superman. So don't believe the hype. All right, let's go to what we had scheduled next, which is our breakdown and look at the new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I feel like Marvel watches the show and takes it personally every time I say anything like derogatory about Marvel. <laughs> 
they gotta come yeah they gotta come for me and it's just like you know last week i we did our if you guys are just jumping in the show with episode two you got to go back to the season five premiere where we did will marvel or dc have a better year this year we won't get into the semantics of what that phrase means it's a little spicy (laughs) but uh yeah we got spicy uh I, i stuck up for dc movies possibly beating marvel movies and the rest of these guys were like, yeah, well, good luck with that crazy pick. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I even said something about Ant-Man not even being that much of a draw. And then they just went, they found every shot of Jonathan Majors with half a shirt. And they were like, yeah, well, take this. Take this in your stocking cap, buddy. And so they put out this trailer, which um, was a good trailer. It was, I, I mean, I'll be the first to kind of say, like, this was a good trailer. If nothing else, it, it mean, and you, me and the old comic book account down there were arguing about this. At least this movie, I feel like, will pull off the trick of having such a charismatic villain at the center that I want to watch it for for that reason, if nothing else. Like the Kang of it all um, it is a See, reason. that the Kang, I could care less about Kang. If that's there at this trailer. Yes, that we moment, know. You, no, you've been no, working in your dad feels ever since that's, you've had but a daughter. That's yeah. the, but that's the meatest. Yeah. That's why the other trailer sucked. Okay, yeah, I'm, you and I'm Nicole Drum have safe. openly said you would sell out the universe to get your time back to save Because your this trailer keyed in on what this movie's about. Yes. I don't like that's what the, the other trailer didn't do that. It yeah, just yeah. showed the spectacle. And we're all kind of tired of that from Marvel. Oh yeah, I know now. So I need the heart, right? And that's what this trailer just honed in on and made me care about the Kang Scott dynamic. Why is why is that happening? So all of a sudden I came away and me and Anissa both could care less about this movie. We watched this trailer and we both came away and went, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to watch this movie because this looks this looks really good. So yeah, I'm right there with you eating crow because I said I didn't care about this movie, but that that's why this trailer worked. Yeah, I just was I'm, I'm laughing because you both you and Nicole Drum who uh, appeared on Phase Zero this I week have openly said you would sell out the universe just for more time with your own child. And yeah. You were like. <laughs> You were both very unapologetic. I was like, uh, I spent enough time with my kids. I don't know about it in the corner. I was like, I'd be thinking about it in the corner. Peace, you guys y'all. Are like, hey, you guys are like, sorry for the universe. You all dying. You know, they put on, on social media the memes of which one would you choose? Just put the check mark on one box and everything else on the other. Peace. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, oh. skipping some of those years as a toddler, uh, I'll be all right. But uh, that you know, my coworkers, and, and I'm sure a lot of parents are going to feel like them. A lot of Marvel fan parents. So, yeah, this trailer did a good job of kind of getting us in. Um, there is, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Some of the obvious theories coming out of this are that you know Scott Lang may not make it out of this. We may not have the same kind of Ant Man by the end of this, which would make sense and kind of clear the way for like people like Hope or in Cassie to kind of take up. We have enough Ant people. Yeah, to take up that mantle. Sure. Um, I'd be surprised if Hank Pym and Janet Pym both make it out of this alive. Uh, all of that seems there. There's been a lot of theory about this could be really kind of tied to everything from like Avengers Forever, which had the heart of forever, which was this prize mm-hmm. that Kang was searching for because they hint that the MacGuffin in this is something that allows you to actually erase timelines or change them permanently without creating like variants and and that's the kind of prize he's probably been in the microverse looking for um that that's the heart of the heart of forever and avengers forever of course was that and that's what kang and immortus were kind of playing this chess game to get their hands on so that the changes they made could like affect actual events because there's all these like things marvel's now toying with it gets, gets messy in that new timeless series like yeah. the the hidden moments there's parts of time that kang can't get to or change events of no matter how hard he tries without this particular MacGuffin. 
And it seems like we're going for that. And uh, yeah, that's a big deal because the heart of forever, of course, is the thing that could really screw up the Marvel multi- multiverse and allow it to become something that Kang makes for himself. Yeah. Which could be something like Secret Wars and, you know, Kang Dynasty. Modok! <laughs> um, yeah, we got Modok reveal. Uh, one shot. We saw that. Yeah, Modok is the Modok we've been seeing for months leaked. Um, we also learn, you know, through another shot that definitely it's Corey Stoll's face mm-hmm. on that Modok. Which is a great, by the way, that is a great, seeing that picture float around on Twitter and stuff is just hilarious. I love that that picture is out there. Like, that's a real thing. I just love it. Makes me happy. It's a big head, man. Um, a lot of people in the comments think that Scott will try to make the sacrifice play, but Hank will do it for him and kind of save Scott. Uh, and Hank and Janet could end up in the multiverse together or something. That would be kind of like fitting or lost or die down there. But they'd be together, so it'd be romantic, right? So, um, yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of other stuff going on in here, like the Modoc of it all. Yeah, we said that. I'm sure Corey Stoll's kind of uh, yellow jacket or Darren Cross and, you know, was probably the reason Kang knew to go get yeah. Scott Lang. He probably sold him out as a well, yeah, why would steal you? it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, you know, there's all that connection. And yeah, there's also a bunch of other things. There's a whole side of like, there's a bunch of freedom fighter characters in the microverse who are like, even from the Hulk series that we've known from synopsis released with this trailer, like Dentora is going to be, was like this obscure Hulk character, but suggest that like who Bill Murray's character could be, I figured his name, like Ankus Ray or, or something. Yeah. who's like a hero of the microverse freedom fighters. And all of that stuff can connect to so much other stuff that could be coming in. Like, yeah. So Ant-Man and the Wasp looks like, and now there's a promo to get them to watch Disney strange world again. I'm just kidding. We're watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Janelle, you liked the original trailer, I believe. Right? I mean, yeah, I guess it's hard for me to even remember it. Um, okay. okay, so then that's I think that says it. So how'd you come out of this one? Yeah, I I I freaking love Marvel. <laughs> I just love everything they do. I I don't care if like some things are better than others. Right. They're just achieving greatness constantly. And this trailer looks amazing. And this is very up my alley. I think that's what I said with the original one trailer it's just very me like this type of like galaxy interdimensional travel like all that stuff is very me so i'm very pumped about this whole situation like scott lang is a flawed man like he's not captain america so he will choose his own selfish desires over the universe because he's not like the traditional like all knowing wonderful like from a different planet superhero like he's right. you know he's a normal regular dude and i'm excited to see you know how they show him a little bit more because we haven't really gotten a lot of him like we've had little tastes of him with avengers and stuff but i i still don't feel like i know him that well right um so i'm i'm really excited about this in general and Exactly like Kofi said, this it it almost is like bittersweet because I just wish that DC had the same like power and content that they were throwing out there because Marvel's just nailing it over and over again. Even with what like movies that I'm not as big on, like Thor: Love and Thunder, I love it. I still love it. So that's what I want from DC. And it kind of whenever I see these releases from Marvel, it kind of makes me like kind of bummed with the DC content yet again. It's crazy. I get that. Also, this storyline kind of makes me really want to see the Superman John Kent 
story on screen. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because the same, like I've lost all these years yeah. as he leaves and he comes back and he's older and you feel like you've missed all this time. Like that, that would be awesome to see. Yeah, that I mean, that would have been, that's what Brian Singer should have done, but they didn't have that, all that story in place. Right. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. That. Cause he tried to do something like that. Ironically, like you know, Superman yeah. returns. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we're going to wrap it up with Ant-Man. Um, yeah. I'm eating crow. Uh, as people said in the comments, I, I also like this trailer because it makes it feel like this film will be more than just, oh, here's like, again, Disney Plus style, like a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of events. Kang's now free. Like it yeah. feels really much more important. It feels like yes. there's going to yes. be a lot of lore that comes out of this movie. Really cool. That we're going to come back to later and be mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, that was all kind of like yeah. that. And shout out for Peyton Reed doing something different enough that that shot of Kang kicking in Scott Talmadge. That's a good is shot. Yeah. Like one of my favorite shots already in the MCU. That's a couple I love it here. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And there's some really good, yeah, him drowning in all of himself. There's a lot of good visual metaphors and stuff. So shout out to the Marvel production team and, and the animators and all that because they're back at it and doing good work. All right. We're going to wrap up for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania trailer there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dip into some wrestling because the drama at WWE no. is not done. Never. So we need our man on the inside to help us break all that down. We're going to review Velma, which just is streaming on HBO Max and some other stuff. Plus, we got to talk comics because there's a big new DC event happening. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture in the official podcast show of comicbook.com. In our first segment, we talked about The Last of Us, uh, HBO's The Last of Us. We did an official review, and we broke down the latest trailer for Ant Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania while doing a little sidebar about DC not yet finding a Superman. So now in the second half of the show, as I said, we are going to be getting back into the drama at WWE, which is not over. And to help us do that, our most regular guest host, we should call him the fourth Beatle, the fourth <laughs> co-host, Mr. Connor Casey. And again, everybody loves Ringo, man. Come on. Yes. Oh, and. By the end of this thing, everybody might only be loving Ringo because Ringo's doing okay, man. Like, Ringo's out here. He's doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's not Ringo energy you're, you're bringing in today, unfortunately. Uh, you got real stuff to talk about because that <laughs> Vince McMahon docuseries is, is – they're really doing a lot of work to prepare for this Vince McMahon docuseries. I mean, yeah. He, just, he had to fit in a few more chapters. Every like, time you know, Ryan Murphy <laughs> – Every time Ryan Murphy fills up his notepad, he's like, damn it, and yeah, throws it out. Yeah, and like, there wasn't enough drama. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, Connor, take it away. Where are we at right now? So if you've been following us over this past week, you know that uh, Vince McMahon has officially been brought back in as the executive chairman of WWE. Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, has left as the CEO 
Uh, rumors on Tuesday night started spreading like wildfire that a deal in principle with the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund was already a done deal. Uh, that has been debunked, but by all indications, the Saudis are still very much in this race. Now, Matt, I wanted to take this segment to kind of break down the big names that keep getting brought up as potential bidders. Because over the last week, I've listened to a lot of industry experts, especially in the media world, try to argue which group makes the most sense. But they're coming at it from the perspective that Vince McMahon is a sane person. Here's the problem, is that that is not the case. The case is this man held this company, effectively held them hostage. Yeah. Within the last month, he said, put me back in a position of power or I will financially cripple this company. The moment he is reinstated, he changes the bylaws within the company to say, you cannot make a sale without my expressed approval. So no sales getting done now without Vince McMahon signing the dotted line. So as we go through each of these options, you need to keep in mind that Vince is going to not only favor what is most financially beneficial to him and the company, but also what is most likely to keep him in power. So the first one that keeps coming up is Endeavor. They bought the UFC last a few years back, for about $4 million. Uh, the price tag for WWE right now seems to be somewhere between 7 to $10 billion. So they would effectively have to pay double what they paid for the UFC. Uh, obviously, if they bought them, they'd still need to work with different broadcasting companies to get new TV deals done. Interesting note about this one from The Hollywood Reporter. Apparently, the only way that they're interested in this deal is if Triple H sticks around. And so far, that is the only group that I've heard that says... We're not so much concerned about Vince as we are. We want to make sure Paul Levesque is still with this company for the future. Next up is Comcast. That's NBC Universal's parent company. They obviously have the money. They have a long-standing history with the WWE right now between their deals for Peacock, NXT, and Raw. If they were to just effectively buy the company, they would honestly make back the money that they would have to pay out for whatever the next media rights deal is yeah. going to be. Yeah. Within the next decade, they would basically be like, oh, we, we've actually saved money by buying this thing for $10 billion. Uh, And obviously, I think of the big media conglomerates, they are the ones that are most likely to hold their nose and say, yeah, Vince, we, we know what you're dealing with right now. Yeah. We know what you've been accused of, but we've known you the longest, so we'll just keep this thing rolling. We, you've obviously made money for us already, so why, why rock the boat? Next up is Disney. Now, our very own Jim Viscardi has publicly defended this idea. And his argument is that Bob Iger's signature move, his finishing move, if you will, is that Bob Iger loves to buy brands. And in theory, buying the WWE, having their weekly television programs along with their monthly pay-per-views would breathe new life into ESPN, ESPN+. Mm -hmm that whole side of the company that is hurting. Here's the problem. The other thing Bob Iger loves is protecting the Disney brand. And the first thing he would want to do, most likely, is get Vince McMahon out, yeah. which is a problem for Vince and makes him less likely to actually want to sign on if all the deals are comparable and Disney's like, yeah, ours is on along the same lines as Comcast, but you don't get to stay. Vince is going to say, okay, I'm looking elsewhere. Sorry. 
Next up is Amazon. They're obviously getting into the live sports realm. They got Thursday night football. God bless you if you had to sit through any of those games, but they obviously have the infrastructure <laughs> um, of the tech companies that keep getting mentioned. I think that one is the most likely. The other big streaming company is Netflix. Uh, they're always threatening to get into the world of live sports and entertainment, but nothing has really materialized yet. And their first experience with actual live programming is that Chris Rock special that's coming up. And it's a pretty big jump from one comedy special to yeah. hours of weekly television and pay-per-views on a monthly basis. You know, you can ask Peacock just how much of, a, of an overload it is for, you know, a million some odd people to try and all get on at once and get access to a live stream. Yeah. Uh, then there's the Khan family. This one popped up yesterday. <laughs> is, there's no of, way to know. Of the names, it is the least likely. Do they have <laughs> billions? Yes. Would they, they would have to partner up with another financial partner to do it. And then the question is, why would you want to merge these two when you already right. have the second biggest promotion in the world? for not nearly the same price tag as the first one. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, there's the Saudi Arabia. There's, there's the nation of Saudi Arabia. They obviously have the money. They are the most likely to add in a few billions to sweeten the deal on top of what anybody else tries to offer. They would be the most hands-off and let Vince operate by himself, as he's always wanted to do. Uh, the, pro the only issues with that one are that some companies will want to back out and separate themselves from the WWE if they are bought by Saudi Arabia. And it's also a question of, would the next meteorites deal become a completely different situation if suddenly they're owned by this nation? If you need an example, look at what's happening with Live Golf. They could not land a TV deal to yeah. the big stars they were signing. So they're currently in a situation where they're the ones paying Fox Sports to put them on TV. And in most cases, it's supposed to be the other way around. The network is supposed to be paying you for the content. Do the Saudis have deep enough pockets where that might not necessarily be an issue? Sure. But then it's an issue of how many wrestlers want to stick around. Plenty, yeah. you know, will swallow their pride and sign on the dotted line and make all that extra money. Others might not. And some who are out in the free agent market or in other companies will suddenly not be so incentivized to want mm -hmm. to go back to WWE because A, You've got to deal with all of the moral, po political issues that come with that. And B, if it all but assures that Vince McMahon is back in power, the folks that wanted to jump back to go work with Triple H, suddenly, how much longer are we waiting for that to actually be a reality? Yeah. So how do you feel about all of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, uh, I agree with you. I think Disney, because of those issues, because of Vince... If Vince was not involved, there's a shot. Absolutely. Because they, yeah, ESPN, they used to work together. Then that kind of fell apart. That was a big deal when that fell apart. Uh, then ESPN got into a deal with USC and then there was a lot of stuff, but they've, they've missed that. Like there is a whole chunk of programming that they don't really mess with or reporting stuff. They would love to get back into. That would be huge. But I agree. There's no way Bob Iger touches Vince McMahon led WWE with a, 10 foot pole. Like that's not happening. Um, I agree with you too on, you know, on Saudi, because I just, that could very well happen. 
But I do think that that will affect the media rights deals in a negative way. And that's what, you know, that's what Vince says, like, oh, no, I'm going to lead with this is a huge time. That would be the first of many missteps. Right. Um, I think NBC, I think that like Comcast makes the most sense um, because they already have so many deals. Like, yes, they have it with Fox as well, but they only have a small even though it is the A show, they only have that one thing like stuff built around it. And the big difference between the NBC situation and Fox is that NBC has a ready-made streaming platform. Fox doesn't. So what would their answer be for pay-per-views? And they already have it built in. We've already been serving you for however long. It was rocky at first. It's worked itself out. Peacock stuff is pretty reliable now. Now NXT is doing their, you know, premium live events on there too. Like there's so much built in. And I agree with you. They worked with Vince for years. They can, they can, they're going to turn away from the stuff that is not great and be like, Mm -hmm. we're fine. Um, I think they're the most likely of this. That is if he wants, he's going to sell. I'm still not entirely sold. He didn't make that all up just to get back on here and not sell. So I agree. I think that's the one. I'm sorry, Jim. I don't think Disney's going to happen. I would actually think it would be awesome if that happened, but I don't think it's going to. Um, And I think that would also be the lesser of all the evils of this possible scenario. Uh, So I'm kind of pulling for that. If you're a fan, start rooting for Comcast. It's the boring option, but it's also the option that doesn't make you go. I feel bad in about talking about and watching this product now. Yeah, I agree. You know, this used to be simple math. The fans show up. The wrestlers entertain, the fans pay to see them, the wrestlers get paid, everybody's happy. When we started adding in countries with very questionable human rights uh, policies and certain accusations, you know, we, we've taken simple math and we, we've muddied the waters. and It's no fun. Wrestling's supposed to be fun. Root, root for the fun option, guys. I not agree. The, not the one that will all make us go, hmm, how do I feel about this? <laughs> I agree. I think root for the fun option is the best best way to tagline. I think that's the best way. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to catch us up on before we? Uh, Royal Rumble's coming up. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, th- there is still weekly professional wrestling going on. Um, obviously, we're going to have full coverage of that coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, if you're not following our Dynamite coverage right now, uh, AEW is on a bit of a hot streak. Um I think this this last this most recent episode was one of the best they've done. Period. And uh, yeah, follow us over on TikTok because if you do, good things will happen. <laughs> awesome, man! Thank you so much. What's up, buddy? All right, thank you, Connor Casey. As always, comicbook.com wrestling is on top of what is going on. Over at WWE, AEW, NXT, and everything in between. So thank you, Connor, again for taking some time. We're going to move along now and talk about a couple things that are released that we just want to put on your radar. These are going to be just like short little mini reactions reviews that I'm going to be throwing at them because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who's seen it. Uh, Janelle, did you see Velma, any of it? I did not see it because I wasn't told to watch it, but I watched the trailer and I'm totally watching this today. Okay. It looks awesome. I saw Velma. I'm about almost through the first two episodes they released on HBO Max. And um, it took me a while in the first episode to warm up to it until I could like find what the rhythm of the show is. But by the end, I kind of liked it. It's very Venture Brother-ish in terms of 
taking this old kind of familiar pulpy pop property we know Scooby-Doo, but then doing it in this very modern and kind of adult adult oriented kind of way. And so Mindy Kalik really just digs in. And this is a very much an adult cartoon. Yeah. Um, there are so many just jokes and just things they deal with within the first 10 minutes. It lets you know, like, yeah, you're watching another HBO Max yeah. adult cartoon version of Scooby-Doo. And it's take on the various Scooby-Doo characters for some people are going to be blasphemy. But again, this is like very when I got like the Venture Brothers-ness of it all, oh, I was okay. like, OK, I understand like kind of skewing this old, you know, golden calf of Scooby-Doo yeah. is, is what this show is doing and very purposely so. And taking all the things we took for granted about that show and kind of painting them in a funny light, like from from how Fred looks and his appearance to who Daphne would like really be as, you know, Daphne and all that stuff to their version of Shaggy and all that stuff. And, you know, it's it's funny when you let it be its own thing by the yeah. end, by the time it establishes like, yeah, this isn't Scooby-Doo. This is just the Venture Brothers kind of skewer of Scooby-Doo's universe. And after that, I kind of accepted it and really kind of was ready to get into more. And I'm, I'm enjoying the second episode a lot more. And I would be checking this out and just kind of seeing like what this, what this show <laughs> does. And I hope it finds an audience because, you know, for for what it's worth, it is it is kind of like funny and, and Mindy Kalig doing animation is actually pretty funny. So that's my take on Velma. That and looks that, super fun. I'm not gonna lie. That's, I I yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to watch it. Um, but it looks super fun. And I was gonna ask, how is so do you like their takes on Shaggy and Daphne? Because those are obviously the ones that kind of caught my attention here. The Shaggy thing is is funnier because it's very much not shaggy it's just yeah. like his name's milo and like he's very obviously they even joke about like race cast switching in the beginning and they're like oh you got a problem with that like when she's kind of like <laughs> introing the show in this opening monologue where it's like her and daphne going at it directly um so i liked milo because his character is they're doing a skewer of like <laughs> kind of like weird beta male friend who's like in love secretly in love with velma and like a whole part of the first episode's about that and yeah, it, it, he's kind of funny, but um, Daphne I like is kind of like you know doing a skewer of who Daphne would be as like the hot popular real person, girl, yeah. like a real person, like yeah. And her kind of history with Velma, and they have this whole kind of lore about their history and together and stuff. It's it's interesting. The show is at once irreverent, but also setting up like actual lore, like yeah. and backstory and and its own mythos and. And it's introduced as how Velma put together the Scooby gang. So you know that they tell you right up front, like this is going to be the story of how yeah. eventually all these very separate people come together into this weird That's mystery cool. solving super cool. group. So yeah, I'm a big I Mindy Kaling it. fan. So yeah. That's, yeah. After, that's after Matt got me to watch Wednesday and I, and I'm like, you know, obsessed with Wednesday, like everybody else. I was like, I got to give this a chance. <laughs> I'll, I'll give anything a chance. So yeah, I mean, this is a good one to put up there with Harley Quinn to, you know, completely separate series, but like a good, another one, if you're doing adult animation. So all right. It kind of looks like Harley, like if like Harley Quinn, and that's why I'm all about this. <laughs> oh yeah, the animation style is very much like Harley Quinn. Yeah. And uh yeah, Trees is friend zoned Black Shaggy. Yes. This is uh yeah, it's a very, very kind of weird, funny take on Shaggy. Um, but that's Velma, and like I said, I'm just gonna keep going. Um, I got a chance to check out the new movie Missing early. <gasps> Ooh, um, yeah, with Storm Reed. Um, and yeah, I wasn't 
I was like kind of trying to force myself to go out and see this last night. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I was like, oh, I should do it. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, this movie missing, as I will be tweeting, because uh, the embargo is now up like right now. Oh. So <laughs> missing I had, was better than I it ever had business being. Um, I, again, I'm not like the biggest found footage mystery or yeah. thriller or horror person. Uh, but I, I thought searching was pretty cool like yeah. for what it was. It was pretty inventive with John Cho. If you guys saw that really good I liked him. and searching. Yeah. And they now, even now it gets you in the dad bone even more now. Like, yeah, yeah probably, goes, well, no, I should not rewatch. No, that. you'd be freaking out. You'd be freaking out. I can see you and Anissa like, <laughs> yeah, I watched that yeah. pre child. Yeah. Um, and so missing is somebody's doing construction. All right. <laughs> So Missing is not a direct sequel to Searching, but it is a movie set in the same universe as Searching. And the way they handle that was at first one of my favorite things about it was that like how they kind of just shout out to Searching in their own way without having it bogged down the story. But Storm Reid, Nia Long, Kevin Lung, who's, um, you know, who's a spike guy in X-Men and a bunch of other stuff. The way that the writers and the filmmakers use it, once again, the found footage stuff, the way this does it, this new era found footage, which is kind of communications. It's a mystery you solving from your laptop and your smartphone. And if nothing else, what's disturbing about this series and especially this movie is how much information and how many tricks you can use to find information from your laptop and cell phone, because this is all real stuff they do. And that's the kind of Rube Goldberg machine of it all that works for this movie is the tricks they use to get around like passwords and find out information and stuff is all real stuff. Yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah, that is kind of disturbing. It, yeah. It makes it amazing. Scary and creepy. Amazing as a story to see this young girl as a detective and figuring it out. And cause these are young people, they know all this stuff, but also terrifying in that sense. But um, yeah, the twists, the turns, the surprises and like what ultimately the mystery is, was really good this time around and kind of like really surprising and what the story shapes up to be versus what it starts to be and where it ends was also really good so this was like a really awesome better than i ever thought b movie thriller and yeah this whole searching missing series is weirdly really good at what it's doing so yeah yeah and it's nia long yes guys it's nia long that's she's right back. yes because yeah she's the, okay yes she's the mom yeah and yeah i was and she's back in this man and she gets a pretty good role in this even though you know it's about and her missing and she's also going to be in that uh eddie murphy uh, Jonah Hill. Movie. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 guess who's coming to dinner? For yeah, 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 that yeah, looks yeah. good too. Uh, you people, I think it's called. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be good. And like I said, so missing comes out next weekend. Don't try to go out to the theater. Don't be like me. It comes out next weekend, and I'll do a full review of it next weekend. But uh, that my initial reaction was, yeah, better than I ever expected it to be. So moving right along again, so we can outrun construction. Uh, if you guys haven't seen on Netflix, there's a couple things just point out for you. Uh, the Pale Blue Eye is Scott Cooper's new movie. Scott Cooper, who did like Crazy Heart. Oh, yes, I've seen. Yeah, and um, Out of the Furnace. And oh, what was his like last movie? that? Oh, um, Black Mask, Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. Oh, Black yeah. Mask. Yeah, so Scott Cooper is a very good kind of auteur. And he's reteaming with Christian Bale for this. And it's, um, it's a mystery based on a novel. It's a gothic mystery. Uh, but the real selling point was uh, Harry Melling from the Harry Potter movies who played uh, Dudley in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in this as Edgar what? Allan Poe. What? He plays Edgar Allan Poe as um, <laughs> it's set in West Point wow. New York in the 19th century, like late 1800s. And Christian Bale's an investigator is coming to investigate uh, like a 
grisly crime at West Point that, you know, the military does not want to get out and he's yeah. supposed to be investigating privately. And he meets a cadet whose name is Cadet Poe, and he's just a young kind ah, of cadet. That's awesome. At then, he's not yet a poet, but his weird kind of gothic yeah. mind, Christian Bale's investigator, kind of like they form this friendship, and he helps him with this murder mystery because he can imagine all these, you know, gothic dark things. Um, yeah, and it's surprising. Um, some people will get the twist, but uh, Scott Cooper's just a great filmmaker. His atmosphere, his tones, the way he shoots things. Um, and Harry Melling is really good in this as Edgar Allan Poe. Man, and, so this is out now? Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix okay. now. Um, and right along with that is, uh, I just had to throw this in there, Kai the Hatchet Hitchhiker. Yeah. If you guys don't remember in the 2000s, in the 2010s, there was this viral, one of the biggest viral videos of the early 2010s was this guy, this hat, this hitchhiker who saved a woman after a guy crashed his car into somebody and started spouting. He was going to do all these racist things. He started attacking people. He grabbed a woman was choking her out on the street and this guy in L.A. and he came through and he hatchet with a hatchet and just beat this guy over the head and saved the woman. And he just recorded this interview that went viral where he was like, I just ran up on him and I was like, smash, smash, smash. And it became this auto tune video and everything. <laughs> and so it's a wild story because this guy, not surprisingly, later, the hatchet hitchhiker later got implicated and arrested for uh, a grisly murder and killing somebody, uh, oh, wow. a lawyer. So he's in jail now. And this documentary is interesting because it's just about a look at like what viral videos are, how they come about, what role the media plays and who we put at the center of this. And do we like actually verify all these things before we like celebrate them going viral? No, and, absolutely not. And yeah, <laughs> wow. in this case being a reflection of like, what do you do like when you've helped promote this thing and how all the journalists they interview, all the people who helped, yeah. you know, the original interview, when this they put this guy on a pedestal in Hollywood was like, he went on Jimmy Kimmel famously. And it was clear this guy was disturbed and he was just famous for walking up to a random you know, person yeah. who was committing a violent act, but choosing on his own to bash his head in with a hatchet. And we all were like, this is awesome. And this, you know, yeah. and we're bringing him to Hollywood and they were trying to make a reality show about him and all this stuff. And it's about how that machine wow. works and who's at the center of it and who turns out to be the person like you're putting on this pedestal. Right. Um, and so, yeah. If you ever want to kind of get disturbed about what we've been doing in the last 10 years with like viral videos and social media and all that stuff, this is a good documentary to uh, <laughs> somebody comment that. said jail, jail, jail. Yeah. Like, man. <laughs> oh, man. But um, it was disturbing for me because I was obsessed with that Kai video. Like okay. when it came out, wow. I was so I, obsessed. Yeah, with that. I totally miss that. But I still actually want to watch this. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a really yeah. good one. Check that out. Um, all right, let's get to comics because, oh, Ma, Mel, Matt, I'm sorry, I'm oh, no, skipping no, over. Fine. You have a segment, Matt's Agenda. We always, if you guys are doing <laughs> season five, our host, Matthew Aguilar, <laughs> uses his show as a platform to get his agenda across <laughs> quite constantly. <laughs> and we fought against it in like season one, but, you know, he, he's very lovable. So we just kind of like let him push his own agenda now. So today on Matt's Agenda, we have toys. <laughs> we have Power Rangers, baby. Uh, so first off, you can probably see that we've had a little buddy sitting here right at the end of the table. And he is the Zord Ascension Dragon Zord uh, from the Lightning Collection over at, over at Hasbro. Um, you probably, I don't know if you saw before. Uh, oh, look at this fancy, look at that. I got, I got, look at the, okay, the missiles. Oh, thank you for doing that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so what's awesome about him is that one, he combines with, if you watched uh, probably, God, it's been a minute, but we featured the Dino Megazord on here, which was the first release from the line. And of course, 
Dragon's Zord also combines. And so there's, of course, uh, combinations that you can do. Uh, of course, we have uh, battle mode and Mega Dragon's Zord mode can be done with the other Dino Megazord, which I almost brought to do it. And then I was like, that's too much. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, but look at this shot. Here we go. Oh, he's got his own camera. Okay. <laughs> he's got missiles that fire from his hands. <laughs> Such an idiot. Uh, and look at, oh man, okay. The the paint apps on this and like the like the shininess of this yeah. nice, man. So yeah, I definitely am going to do a video where I do the all the combinations, uh, but I just wanted to feature like core mode. Also, I uh, actually had a little trouble getting it open earlier, but there's a, in the little bitty cockpit up here, uh, there's a little ranger. You can put a little ranger and it actually comes with two small rangers as well for scale. Uh, like the Megazord came with, came with the five rangers and they're very tiny. This one comes with two versions of the green ranger. And of course, uh, just a, a shout out to uh, thinking of, thinking of JDF in, in this moment here talking about the green ranger. Um, so that is Dragon Zord now. <laughs> But wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> All right. So this is easily one of my like favorite things so far. Here, I'll bring it over here. So this is the Blue Rangers Power Lance from the Lightning Collection as well. Same for the Power Sword. Let me move you, buddy. There you go. <laughs> this is awesome because number one, it just looks cool. The base actually uh, also transforms to where it can hold it in Lance mode and in this mode because cool thing about these is they extend and then they combine oh look at that son. wow <laughs> and wow all the sounds come with the light uh i don't want to break anything but if you're like moving it around stuff it actually makes different sounds it also makes different sounds depending on how you're actually moving it uh, I prefer, I think I prefer this one as the sound. And then of course you can turn it off with the little button right here. And it powers down. So flipping cool. Star Wars, <laughs> take note. Somebody who spends a crazy amount of time having lightsaber fights these days, like oh. you need a, I need a split staff with these, I need this kind of weaponry. And so, right. so yeah, I think wow. uh, the power sword was awesome. It had that effect that we showed off last time where you actually hovered over it and it would glow. But I think I'm partial to the blue ranger anyway, but I think <laughs> these are cool. The next one will actually be the yellow rangers uh, daggers. So That's those so. will come out next. And then I just need power X hmm. because I cannot wait to see what they do with the power X. And then of course we get the bow. And what's great is they will all combine into the power blaster. And if you think we're not going to do a video on that, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> that will be happening at some point in time. So right now, those are both available, and uh, you can check out more coverage on all things Power Rangers on comicbook.com. So I don't always support Matt, Matt's agenda, but when I do, it's dope. All right. <laughs> Moving right along to our final segment of the day, comics this week. Um, hey. It was a big week for comics. I am still, I'm in the hole basically all weekend trying to read my way out of everything that was... <laughs> That was released this week. It's nuts. I mean, there was oof. a lot, man. It was actually yeah. hard to like, there were several options we could have gone with. And I, I'm still actually behind. It was one book I wanted to talk yeah, no, about I'm this way week behind. that okay. I couldn't, I can't even talk about. Um, we, I will talk about black cloak, uh, which is a new Kelly Thompson book at a future time because I haven't had a chance to finish it. And I want to give it its full due, um, but starting off, let's start off with DC. So one of the big events we actually talked about on that previous week's show uh, is Lazarus planet. And that's about to kick off. And so now we have Lazarus Planet Alpha, uh, which picks up from Batman and Robin 
and all the things essentially that the Lazarus Island was turned into a volcano, making a long story short, and the volcano erupted. And so now all this Terrigen mist is all over the world. <laughs> all, this, no, all this resin, <laughs> as they keep calling it, uh, is around. And so now we have all these it's, it's affecting the whole planet. There's like storm. I actually liked that. It was like midway through the book. There's like a storm chaser thing. Maybe feel like I was watching like channel four or something. And so they're like, Oh, here's the crazy acid Lazarus rain. And here's like the thing over here with the funnels and all this stuff. So there's essentially the idea is that this will affect all of the heroes in various different ways. We're going to see people get different powers, switch around. There's going to be a lot of things to happen as after this in the main event, this is doing a lot of the setup. Like this is this issue is like mostly like, hey, we got to get all these pieces in the play. Here are these two teams and we have them trying to kind of recover the magic side because part of this whole thing is like the magic magic has been in chaos anyway. Then this made it even worse. Then you have like the sun being blocked out by like endless winter and that's affecting all the other people's power. So there's a lot of things coming in. My favorite part, though, is Damian Wayne shows up in a huge way in, in actually probably, probably over the last year. He's, he's been used quite a while. And like the recent event where he was it, being controlled by someone else, I kind of put over to the side because he's obviously being controlled. But before that, it's been used really well. And here there's a like a cool moment with Bruce. And he's like, it's most of the dialogue, sorry, most of the monologue and the exposition, uh, exposition is coming from Damien. And so there's this thing of all the heroes look to Batman to like, okay, what do we do? And he's like, you know, listen to my son. And there's like a real like kind of stepping up moment for Damien because typically he tries to take over him and everyone's like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> Let's listen to Bruce. And here it's like, no, no, I'm getting that validation. Hey, listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. It was, it's a cool moment if you've been reading Damien books for, for a while. Um, and there's a lot of setup here. Some of it is a little, I will be interested to see what Janelle and Kofi think because I've been kind of keeping up with most of the stuff. But I don't know how much of the Lazarus plant kind of lead up you guys have been keeping up with. I don't know how new reader friendly this is because there's a lot of names that get thrown around, a lot of concepts that like if you haven't really been following along all the way, I feel like maybe a little confusing because um, there's like certain names that I'm like, even me, like without knowing what the heck they were talking about, I'd be like, I'd be lost if I heard that. So I, I really enjoyed this. I'm I'm more excited for the event itself. And I think this did a lot of heavy lifting on putting pieces in place. Not the most compelling storyline issue, um, but still had strong moments. But what do you guys think? I'm looking through it right now because this was such a, like a, this is a dense book, yeah, like a, a dense setup. And I'm like, and like I said, there was a lot this week, but I'm trying to remember. I was like, what actually did happen in this setup? But uh, which is always good for DC events. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. There's a lot with the demons and whatever is happening with the Lazarus rain and all this stuff. But um, it was interesting like people are saying in the comments i don't know <sighs> like we always say big big events should have like really simple premises and this seems simple but this book complicated i feel like a simple a premise stuff, yeah. about like the volcano erupting and it's, and i made the joke but it is like when in a marvel <laughs> the eternals terrigen mist spread across the yeah, yeah, for sure. all the havoc that caused like that's simple enough but there is so many like in this book everything from like the demonic aspect to each of the what's happening to each of the heroes to the various like smaller storylines they're already presenting. You have people to comments like saying like, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with all this and I'm, I'm the same way. Um, and I think there are going to be stronger aspects than others. Like mm -hmm. I know you love monkey prints, but I don't know if I need like a monkey prints, Batman hangout, like somebody said in the comments. 
Like, I don't know if all this is, some of this is ready for that, but um, I'm interested to see where it goes because DC doing more of a kind of like mystical supernatural thing is, is, is different. They usually like to go with like space and timelines and all that kind of more scientific stuff. So them getting into a big magical kind of supernatural event is interesting. So I want to see where it goes. And the artwork was gorgeous. Yeah, it was, it was good. Artwork. Janelle, what'd you feel? I, I'm just super surprised because I guess maybe I'm getting the hang of DC and comics because the, the stuff that I didn't know, I was just learning. I was just taking it right. in. And I did recognize a ton of the characters and uh, nothing really bothered me. Like I wasn't lost. I've There's been so many books where I'm completely confused and I can't get into it. It's too wordy and it's not entertaining and the artwork might not be intriguing enough to like keep me going. This I just kind of escaped into. For me, like the biggest judge of I have massive ADHD, right? I get very distracted. My mind starts wandering. When that happens, when I'm reading a comic book, that is such a bummer. And to me, I, this didn't happen. I, I was focused on this and it was a little bit of a longer read and I was focused and I was interested and I left wanting more and I liked seeing all these characters. I got really excited when I saw Poison Ivy. Yeah. Um, and and like the the villains are cool as heck looking and they look super powerful. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm turning into like less of a noob or something, but I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned Poison Ivy because I felt like she had one of the scene stealing moments throughout yeah. the whole. Yeah. Her whole sequence is awesome. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and and I do like Monkey Prince. So do I. In this, a I lot. Say I did, I, well, because I'm not like I wouldn't say like my cardiac level Monkey Prince fan. Yeah. <laughs> I liked his moments. It was nice, as kind of Janelle mentioned with um, you know Ant Man of like getting to know someone. Like I actually like to hear most of the time in an, an event book. Sometimes it's easy to just put them in a space where. They're just doing something to do something. So you get them a spotlight here. I like that the spotlight was actually like getting to know the person a little bit, that moment between those two and him talking her down black Alice, I thought was really cool. Like I like that moment. And I just like the Robin sharing moment. He's like, I got stories. Like I just like that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's promising. Lazarus plant looks to be super fun. I agree though. There's a lot of concepts underneath, but this was, I felt like this was a really good, foundation building issue i'm excited to see what the event has uh and then we'll move on to um <laughs> okay i misspelled the book in the in the show notes oh my gosh i, <laughs> I didn't even notice mary jane <laughs> that's amazing all right i kind of want a book like that Untold now. story uh, black cat <laughs> brush joke mary jane and black cat number two uh was again we touched on this last time it was super fun they're they're having to they end up in limbo and we don't really understand like why this issue lays it all out like, kind of lays out the premise of they essentially have to find um the sword like they got to find a sword obviously black cat is really good at stealing things so um you know that's the initial premise really simple and i used to be the person when Mary Jane first got became jackpot and like all that stuff started happening. I was very like against it at the time. Number one, because I was still on my like one more day is trash. How dare you think? But two, like 
I was like, oh, those powers, like at the time, they, I didn't think those powers were being used in a really compelling way. And I was like, oh, this is lame. I will say I have over time softened a little bit to those. And when they're in the right hands, I think the jackpot abilities actually add something really cool. Jed McKay, those are, you know, he's done very little wrong over the last like two years. Uh, I feel like his are those hands, like in his, in this story, the jackpot powers act as just this really fun sense of chaos. They, you can bounce off them for interesting story ideas. Also, they introduce the things of like, you know, if I get multiple skulls in a row, like there's tension there built up, like they really allow that stuff to pop and it makes ordinary battles that we've seen probably a hundred times fresh and it makes them fun and the artwork is cool and the whole, you know, Peter thing in the background is is interesting because that's all being done in you know Felicia's head. So adding all the limboness to it is fun. I, I enjoyed this issue. I don't won't say I enjoyed it as much, I think, as the first one, but that's just because the first one I adored. Um, this one I really, really liked though. So I'm I'm all in on this series. I think it's super fun. What would you guys think? Um yeah, I gotta I gotta agree. I thought it was like super duper fun. Was this Mark Bagley? No, this was um hold on. I forgot who actually did the cover. Let me double check on it. No, I meant on just the interior art because it looked really good. Uh, Karatu, I believe. Oh, yeah. Karatu, Karatu. Yeah, no, I thought this was fun. Um, I mean, again, I don't know what it is about like people getting the same creative bug, but like we having like supernatural stuff. We're getting heists in other realms. We feel like we've talked about this multiple times already today, but I thought this one was good. And as a dark web tie in, this is one of the more interesting ones. Like, they're actually they're doing what like the Thunderbolts did during um, do, um whatchamacallit, King in Black. Like mm-hmm. it's a tie-in, but it's actually its own story, just yeah. loosely connected to the circumstances of what this larger event is. And so this one was an interesting way to kind of set up. And I think again, setting up a simple premise is always good in comics. Yeah. I mean, and I think what I was gonna say coming away was whereas we've seen kind of other events in the last few years try to play with like going to other supernatural worlds or magical worlds. This does it the right way because it keeps the premise simple enough. This is, as people have said in the comments, this is a limbo heist. Yeah. It's a heist in hell and this weird place and kind of a horror supernatural thing, but none of that fantastical comic booky stuff matters because it's about these two women and their relationship and how they play off each other and the chemistry they have. And that carries you through anything Mm -hmm. that's happening. So even if they go into a tower covered in eyes it's still about the fun of kind of black hat cracking on Mary Jane about the jackpot powers and internally thinking like, why can't I tell this girl who should be my friend? Like about this guy, why am I still doing this stupid stuff over a boy and like all this stuff and that drama carries you through anything and it doesn't matter where they're going and and how crazy and comic booky it is. And just a lot of this issue is entertaining with them just having a talky scene with Belasco, a demon Lord, (laughs) like again, who most people, even now who claim they're Marvel fans since MCU time, I have no idea who this guy is. And so Belasco's entertaining. I mean, everything about this book is fun for the reason that like Exterminators is fun. Yeah. And like getting like, you know, Jen McKay is good at this, but having these female characters kind of step out on their own is hilarious and changing up the nature of what they're doing. They're not like doing male oriented superhero stuff. They're kind of messing with Belasco and there's this comedy of him like ripping off his own skin in the middle of like, talking and all that stuff and it's it's lighthearted it's fun it's it's comic booky in the best way yeah. and there is an actual core to it and a character relationship between two characters who should have more interaction and connection yeah. based on their roles in the marvel universe so 
I'm with it, and it's making me like jackpot. So which yeah, is, man, could be the, one of the dumbest set of powers if not handled correctly. Pudding. <laughs> I can't decide what powers to have. So let's just say she could have this. Like the kid at the table is like, I, I wish for infinite wishes. Like yeah, okay. and that's how it was at the time, and now it's just so cool. Janelle, what do you think? Yeah, I love these two. I think they're just so delicious together. They're so funny and like fun. And I love girl drama. I think it's hilarious to see in a comic book. I don't take it seriously. Like, I don't know the history of like, I don't know why. I don't know who MJ's kid is with. I, I don't know. Like, did, is it Spider-Man? Why isn't it Spider-Man? I'm very confused about like any of that. <laughs> that I, happened in the last run. Yeah. Yeah. I know none of it, but it's also just kind of like whatever. I'm at a certain age in my life where I'm like, oh my God, girl drama is so stupid. Um, like I'm overthinking about telling her that I like this guy. Like, oh my God, that's so childish. But it's funny. It's like hilarious to see that they're throwing this on like superheroes like in hell. Uh <laughs> so yeah, it's super fun. I mean you know, Kofi kind of summed it all up, but it's it's just a good, fun ride. I definitely want to see where this goes because Limbo seems interesting. And I don't know who that character at the end was that helped them out, but I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I and, you know, we talk a lot about uh, way back when, when Sony was announcing their own slate of movies. They were pulling a DC at the time, announcing like 90 movies. Yeah. I, I wanted to see Silver and Black. I would trade that for this yeah. in a heartbeat. Can just give me MJ and yeah. Black Hat. Like, mm -hmm. give me that in a movie. Let those two characters just have I mean, a lot. I mean, even a show. Start it from this point. Just like we all know who Mary Jane is. So just yeah. start it from this point. Like, she has superpowers she's trying to deal with, and Black Hat is like there, and they walk, and it's like there. Give me that. Her for whatever the movie is that they need to heist. And she's like, I need somebody like you. And they're just like, oh, God. That like, movie would awesome. roll. Mad baggage. And it's like, no Peter Parker cameo, but like his presence is in the movie. Yeah, because you, like, you're talking about him. One was married to him. One went out with him. Like, you know, and just never mention him. Just like this comic. Just don't even mention him by name. Yeah. Just, but talk about him. <laughs> mention him. Yeah, I, 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 I would like that movie now. Yeah. Please, for, yeah. For, recruiting things um real quick mentions uh batman urban legends number 23 ended that is the final issue of the series uh if you just read the last four i would say the murder club is one of the stories in there that just hit me in a huge way it was such a wonderful last few issues of that series have been wonderful uh but it's just a great anthology style batman comic uh so it is is now done but this last issue was one of my favorites of the run um also black cloak uh, as mentioned before, we'll have like kind of more thoughts on it probably next week because um, that just because I haven't had a chance to finish it. But the new book from Kelly Thompson, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, Kelly Thompson, by the way, Janelle uh, writes uh, Captain Marvel uh, every, and then also the Black Widow book that was also excellent. Um, and then uh, Something is Killing the Children, number 28. Holy cow. <laughs> that series, it just continues to be amazing. Isn't that becoming a show? Uh, yeah, they're, they're adapting it. Um, that has now two spinoffs. This has like two has had two spinoffs in the comics, um, and then its own kind of one shot deal. Uh, but this book just continues to be amazing, and this one's grisly and brutal, but man, it's awesome. So that's uh, comics. And at the end of uh, Black Cat and Mary Jane, that was Sim. Thank you. Who was the strongest demon in Limbo? So uh, boom. Yeah, we're gonna get to see uh, some more scenes. And who's also competing? Because he's listed earlier oh, yeah. as someone who's also trying to get the sword. So yeah. mm, all right, that's comics, and that'll do it for this. I almost said issue. Episode for <laughs> Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. If you are liking the show, please do go on both podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts 
and on our YouTube page, Comic yes. Book Nation YouTube page, and subscribe to both. Every subscribe subscription helps us out a little bit, and uh, yeah, keeps us keeps us alive. So please do that. It takes no time. If you like the show, please also go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. Uh, many moons ago, we made promises. I don't know if we can make any promises about it, but just do it because it's awesome. <laughs> And if you want to follow us or talk to us individually, you can follow uh, uh, the at Comic Book Nation Twitter page that we all kind of respond to and revolve around. If you want to talk to us individually, I'm at Kofi Outlaw. I am at Matt Aguilar CD. And I'm at Janelle Wheeler. Yeah, my voice is going out too. We got a lot of coughing to do, so we're gonna get <laughs> we can all start coughing like mad. This is Comic Book Nation. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace Bye, guys. <laughs>